You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Start of another week. How you doing today, Bruce? Yeah, doing well. Healthy life. Yeah. It's good. That's good. Are you freezing down there still? No. Yesterday was a good 45 or so degrees. Today is another pretty nice day. Snow's pretty much all melted now. You know, I did something really evil today. You're not going to believe it. What, what? Did you go out not wearing a mask? I, I did. I did. I, I, I stepped outside. I wasn't wearing a mask. And you know what else I did? I laid out in the sun. How dare you? Did you at least socially distance? Yeah, I, I did because there's these things that we have called fences in between houses. And so like each person was in their own little bubble, socially distanced, right? But but the thing was, was I saw all of this illegal activity going on in my neighbor's yards. I mean, it was it was just it was unbelievable. The anarchy, right? The anarchy that was going on in between. There were kids playing everywhere in each one of those backyards. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Although I'm surprised they didn't SWAT team the entire neighborhood. Of course, they don't have any police where I live, so that'd be a little difficult to <laughs> to do that. So yeah, I was I was I was trying to decide which direction to go with that. Um, did you turn them in, comrade, or uh, no? Actually, you know what I did. Having public land or private land, it should be public. Do, yeah. Anyway, do you know what I you know what I did. I hmm. I laid there. I adjusted my sunglasses. I took a sip of water and I read my book. That's how I dealt with it. Just like a normal human being. Just like a normal human being. Albeit, I was reading a book from an abnormal human being. Three of them, I might add. But fair. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of an abnormal human being, let's just jump right into it, shall we? Dr. Fauci, the sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci, of which we talked about on the uh, the exclusive last Friday. Yeah, GP gave his gave his two cents on uh, on Dr. Fauci, and it was a very very accurate insight, I have to say. Uh, Dr. Fauci says that we may not return to normal until. 2022. And then, of course, it'll be 2023 and then 2024 and 2025. Ah, hell, it might be till 2030, just in everything that we're doing. Because what was it that he said? Remember, we can do it, right? Isn't that what he said? Yeah, we, we can do it. It's it's always this team effort. Yeah, this, this team effort. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the amount of brainwashing by this this scumbag is is beyond reproach. We're all in this together. Yes, we're all in this together. Remember, we can do it. We're all in this together. Dr. Anthony Fauci, President Joe Biden's chief medical advisor, his chief medical advisor. uh, He was he was on CNN on Sunday morning to discuss the ongoing covid pandemic, during which time he said the United States may not be returning to any form of normalcy, any form of it until 2022. I mean, see, Biden had recently said that it was going to be the Christmas timetable of see, it's always just, you know, it was we were supposed to be back to normal by Christmas this year. Then it was no, we can't have Christmas. And then, well, we need to wait until we get past the new year. And then, of course, now that we're past the new year, then it's, you know, because Orange Man bad. Now that we're past the new year, then, well, we should be on our way back to normal. No problem. We, sh- we should be uh, past this 100 days, right? Isn't that what it was? 100 days to whatever it was he was saying? Well, yeah, that, yeah. that's what Biden was saying originally. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But so now it's now it's Christmas. Well, Biden said Christmas and now Fauci says, no, we're probably going to have to be looking into into 2022 at this point. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, we had some gates saying the same thing. We would have to wait. And then we had... Uh, yeah. Basically, everybody's saying we're going to have to go that long when originally, in the very beginning, Fauci was saying, you shouldn't even be wearing masks if you're healthy. You should be just go about your life as normal. Mm-hmm. That's what they were saying originally in the beginning. And I don't know how terrible and horrible this disease is that we've had the same number of deaths that we've had for the last, like, what, 15 years or so? I mean, it's oh, I, following the same trend, I, roughly. I thought you were going to say 14 days. 14 days. I mean, we're, it's supposed to be 14 days to flatten the curve, right? Well, originally, we weren't even going to do anything. Originally, just go about your life as normal. And then right, they said, right. well, 14 days to flatten the curve. And then we went into the other nonsense. No, they just keep moving the goalposts. It's just going to keep going and going, as you said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's take a listen to uh, to the sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci on CNN. Right, the diff- different clip from what we played on the exclusive. Uh, let's take a listen to see what he had to say about when we will be returning to normal. You and the president have suggested that we'll approach normality toward the end of the year. What does normal mean? Do you think Americans will still be wearing masks, for example, in 2022? Shouldn't wear them now. You know, I think it is possible that that's the case. And again, it really depends on what you mean by normality. Right. Normality well, that's what I want you to define exactly it. Exactly the way it... You define it. Yeah. yeah. It's important because if normality means exactly the way things were before we had this happen to us, Uh I I mean, I can't predict that. I mean, obviously, I think we're going to have a significant degree of normality beyond what the the terrible burden that all of us have been through over the last year, that as we get into the fall and the winter by the end of the year, I agree with the president completely that we will be approaching a degree of normality. It may or may not be precisely the way it was in November of 2019, right, but it'll right. be much, much better than what yeah. we're doing right now. Uh-huh. Why do you think careful. Americans might have to wear masks into 2022? You know, because it depends on the low on the level of 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 of, uh, of dynamics of virus that's in the community. And that's really uh-huh. important because that gets back to something, again, that you said, if you see the level coming down really, really very low, I want it to keep going down to a baseline that's so low that there's virtually no threat or not. No, it'll never be there zero one now, but a yeah. minimal, minimal threat that you will be exposed to someone who is infected. So if you combine getting most of the people in the country vaccinated with uh-huh. getting the level of, of virus in the community very, very low, uh-huh. then I believe so no you're going to be able to say, you know, for the most part, we don't necessarily have to wear masks. But if we have a level of virus that is at that level that it was months and months ago, like 20,000 per day is a heck of a lot better than what it's been. But that's still What's a very been? high level of virus in the mm. community. I want to see it go way down when it yeah, goes he way wants down, it down and the overwhelming majority of the people in the population are vaccinated. Then I would feel comfortable in saying, you know, we need to pull back on the masks. We don't need to have masks. Wow. So so your timeline is taking us out a year, maybe two years, maybe even longer. Well, on the side of precaution, I'm sure. No, I, you know, I can't say that, uh, Dan. And, and oh, I, don't want it, no. I don't want it to be said that because then it'll be a soundbite that's not true. <laughs> okay, good. I'm <laughs> saying we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Uh-huh. Well, uh-huh. Dr. Fauci, what do you know? Right. That, that's what I want to know is what do you know? Because apparently you don't know. 
and you don't know anything. So what what do you know? That's what I want to ask him is exactly that. But see, this this reporter, whoever in the hell she is, uh, apparently she doesn't know how to ask a question. She must have missed that day. She must have been sick that day with COVID at journalism school because apparently uh, this guy doesn't know anything. I would say, okay, well, look, if you don't know, well, then I don't need to be talking to you anymore. The American people need to know when we're going to be rid of this. And if that means that we have to get rid of you in order to get rid of this, well, then that's what we need to be looking at. That's what that reporter should be saying, not sitting there placating to his talking in circles and contradictory uh, uh, flip flops that he does every single time he's in front of a news camera. What does he know? That That's my question is what does why should we listen to him and believe him if the the amount of flip flops he's done over the last year? He's taken completely opposite positions of, uh, uh, and it's not even like, well, uh, you know, don't wear a mask, and then you know, okay, now we found research, and you should wear a mask. No, he didn't do that. He said, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, wear two masks, three masks. Well, I can't say whether two masks are actually effective because we don't have any research on it, but it's not going to hurt to do it. No. Well, the good news is, Bruce, he says that if if you've been vaccinated and everyone in your family have been vaccinated, then you can now hug them safely. Mm. You know, I, I could hug my family safely before as well. Just saying. Yeah, but see, he wants those cases down, down. I mean, down, what did he say? Down to a level where it's basically no threat at all. And so if there's more or less anybody that ever catches a cold, basically, you're not going to get out of this until they cure the common cold is, is what he's saying in, in reality. That's exactly what he's saying. Not it's not possible. Uh, I mean, not with our current technologies. Is, is that possible? Just not happening. Anyway, I thought it was good to lead with, uh, quite frankly, the man that's going to get us out of this mess, right? I, I thought it'd be good to lead with that. Get us out of the mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to get us out. See, he's working. This guy's working so hard to get us out of this mess. Yeah, you, you can't even imagine. So according to Dr. Fauci, right, we can't open the schools until the teachers and the students are all vaccinated now, right? According to what he said, we, we can't do that. Well, we need to look oh, I thought, at seriously. I thought he's... But didn't he just say that we should open schools even if the teachers well, he, haven't been vaccinated? Well, yeah, he said that yeah, with the White that's House. A bit of a flip flop. Hmm. Yeah, he said that with the White House paper. But then a couple hours later, before the ink even dried on the damn thing, he was out in front of the cameras and in the papers saying, "Well, yeah, we're going to have to, yeah, we're going to have to vaccinate all the students and teachers before we can even think about reopening the schools." Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sure. So, nah. a school board in California, an entire school board actually resigned after a couple of officials were caught on a uh, on a hot mic they were uh, apparently they were bashing the parents who wanted to reopen the schools you know about this don't you uh i've heard what little bit we, we we've talked about before recording i know about but the details of it i'm i'm not familiar with well apparently uh, an entire school board in northern california that's the conservative part of california is uh, mm-hmm. northern mm-hmm. california the uh, the producers up there no offense to the people that live in Southern California or Los Angeles, like GP. No, no offense. I know there's some pockets of conservatism in there. I get it. An entire school board in Northern California resigned after a video of officials bashing the parents went viral. In a virtual meeting, the school officials ridiculed parents who wanted in-person public education to resume. Oh, well, goodness. The humanity of wanting to put your kids in school. My God, you might kill somebody. We can't have that. Didn't they, quote, basically say they just want their babysitters back? Uh, something to, yeah, something along those lines. Uh, shortly after the video surfaced online, a petition sprung up, uh, that called for the resignation of the school board members and quickly amassed thousands of signatures. I 
can only imagine yeah. that that could as happen across the entire nation, as it should, as you're saying, yes. The president and three other members of the Oakley Union Elementary School District resigned on Friday after they were caught on a hot mic leak lambasting parents who wanted the schools to reopen. <laughs> Goodness. The, the adults want their lives back. The kids want their lives back. The kids are... Do, do you have any idea what this is doing to kids? Do, do you have any idea? Like, these people... I, I mean, we're sitting here, we're preaching about this upon high every single day. We're not the only ones saying it. There's other more prominent people out there, lots of them, that are saying exactly the same thing. The parents are saying it. The community leaders are saying it. And you know something? The schools, the school boards, the teachers unions, they don't care. They don't care. Like we're sitting here and we're, we're saying this over and over and over and over again, thinking that somehow it's going to resonate with these people that oversee this. And it's not because they don't care. Same thing with we're sitting here preaching about, oh, this is going on with the, the I almost said the, Obi the Biden administration. I almost said that. That's kind of what it is, isn't it? Th Wouldn't this is wrong. No, no, I'm not. Th that's what's going on with the Biden administration. But at the end of it, they don't care, do they? They don't care. Says that, uh, okay, so the president of the school board, as well as, uh, let me see, three others, all resigned after being infamous on the internet for trouncing parents, including insinuating that they're drug users. Okay, so well, okay, so what? The, yeah, they want their babysitters back so they can go out and do their drugs. Is that is that what they were? Uh, that that's basically what, what I'm getting out of this. Um, they're just uh, saying anything they can that's derogatory against them. I don't know. It it honestly, it sounds like they're just trying to you brand them as an enemy to make it easier and justifiable to take your position. They're just trying to justify themselves is what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. She says it's really unfortunate that they want to pick on us because they want their babysitters back. Uh, you're a teacher, lady. You're, you're, you're a teacher. Like it, if you're if you're being a babysitter, then you're not a teacher, are you? That, that's not what babysitters do. Babysitter is somebody that looks after the kids and doesn't teach them and, and make sure that they don't get into trouble. So, OK, if you're a babysitter and you're not a teacher, well, then you don't need to be there, do you? Uh, I'm just saying we don't need babysitters. We need educators. That's what we need here. We need someone that's going to step up and promote structure within these kids lives, especially those with special needs. That's the biggest issue in all this is special needs. Well, apparently the woman who is the president of all this, apparently she's raising a 10 year old with special needs and having him home during this pandemic while also holding down two jobs to support my family has been a huge stress. She says, I suffer with many of the same things that parents are going through from mental health issues to regression. My remark was callous and uncalled for. And for that, I'm truly sorry. Well, it's kind of late. School board member, uh, I'm not going to mention any names here, but one of the other members seemed to suggest that parents are upset that classrooms are closed because children being home interrupts the adults smoking marijuana. Huh. Uh huh. I see. And apparently this person who is on the school board that resigned says that his brother is a marijuana delivery person. So, yeah. And the clientele were parents with their kids in school. Uh, he allegedly noted that the parents were angry because no one could smoke up now that their kids were home. Um, OK, just a little little bit of uh, information here. All the dudes I remember growing up with in, in high school that had druggy parents were druggies themselves. Like yes. the parents were, were feeding the addiction to the kids. So they were just as much potheads as the parents were. And this was before it was legal in Colorado, right? The families were growing it themselves and the kids were bringing it to school selling it. This isn't, no, they, they would be smoking it together. <laughs> 
apparently, now this might come as a shock, but apparently parents are frustrated since the public schools in California have been closed for for in-person education for months. Oh, really? You're frustrated. Do you think parents might be a little bit frustrated? You know, I know parents that are out there that are not teachers. And you know what? They've had to readjust their entire lives based on this. We're supposed to be sending our kids to school to learn to get educated, and then we're supposed to be providing a different education for their social and manner structure at home. There's more than one education to be had here, okay? So it's not like this is all one-sided like these bums that are sitting in this school board or former bums who are sitting in the school board. So you make it sound like the parents don't do anything. Well, okay, I'm not going to argue with you in some cases. Believe me, I've seen it firsthand. But for the most part, those that have kids that put them in school regular, that take them home every evening or drive them to school and pick them up, or take them to soccer practice, or basketball practice, or whatever it is, they also provide them with another education. And that's even harder than the academic side of things in the schools. So, reopen the damn schools, right? I'm tired of this bickering. Like, this is like a, this is like a slapping contest with, uh, with adult children. That's what this is. It's like, yeah. we're sitting here, okay, look, all right, I'll tell you what, we'll make this easy. We'll make this real easy. This is real simple. I'll put this into terms that are so simple that anybody can understand it, including these teachers that don't want to go back. You don't want to go back to school. You're not going to get paid. It's that simple. No more. Like you would be cut off completely. No more paychecks. How about that? Is that going to get you back in school? I mean, you're already complaining you don't make enough now, which in some cases I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue. Teachers do get paid too little in certain parts of the country over there. I'm not going to argue that. So that is true. And I'm on board with teachers being paid more money in certain aspects in certain states for certain cases. I get it. I get it. Believe me, I I come from one of those states where teachers aren't paid nearly enough. Some of them barely make enough. And they're good teachers. They barely make enough to keep the lights on in their own home. But if you don't want to go back to school, if you don't want to teach, if you don't want to do your job, well, then guess what? You're not going to get paid. If you don't go to work, you don't get a paycheck. It's that simple. You don't get a salary if you don't have a job. And if you have a job and you refuse to do it, well, then guess what the boss does? He fires your sorry ass and he gets someone in there who will do the job. Can you imagine working on a construction site or in your case, working in an oil field down there? Okay, a lot of oil, a lot of oil jobs down there, oil and gas jobs down there. Okay, someone goes to work in the oil fields and the foreman finds somebody lollygagging around, sitting around taking breaks all the time. What do you think that foreman's going to do in that uh, on that rig? Fired. You're fired. Pack your stuff, get in your truck, and get out of here. You can show up at the office on Thursday, pick up your last check. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. They don't care. That's how it should be. I'm not going to pay you X amount of money to sit around and do nothing. And that's exactly what these teachers are doing that don't want to go back. And that's how they should be treated. Exactly. Exactly. Union or no union, I don't care. I don't care. Get these kids back in school. That's enough of this nonsense. All right. You want to talk about Texas? Yeah, we can go into Texas. All right. So apparently now I sent you a document. I sent I sent over a document to you to, to mm-hmm. look over and some new things have come out about Texas. Uh, the power outages were not exactly as simple as what they seemed, were they? They weren't. Uh, no, it's a, it's a little bit more than just simply. Yeah. Freezing. Yeah. So, so apparently um, the Department of Energy is involved in this as well. And, uh, and of course, there's the whole thing going on with uh, ERCOT, which is the, uh, the, the, they're like, what would you say they were like a co-op or something down there? That, like, yeah, the- it, it, it's like an energy co-op or something like that for, for these kind of situations, like an, for emergency situations where they come in and they provide extra power, uh, mm-hmm. on, you know, or, or, you know, 
that that's basically my understanding of it. And this system has been in place since like the 40s or something like that. That's when they started it. And it was in relation to World War II and, and whatever. I, I, don't, I don't know the whole background of it and why it was started. My guess is probably manufacturing and in case of an attack or something like that. But the way it was used here and the things that happened. Hmm. Yeah, the, I, I smell Enron all over this. That's kind of how I look at it. But at the same time, I also smell the federal government and the Biden administration all over this as well. Uh, this is mm-hmm. what happened down there. OK, w- what happened in Texas? That didn't happen by chance. OK, Texas Governor Greg Abbott came out. OK, so on February 12th. Now I'm looking again, I'm looking at an order out of the Department of Energy. So this is not some conspiracy theory or some opinion that's on some uh, random website, okay? So I, I went to the actual Department of Energy, www.energy.gov, and I pulled this order up. It's order number 202-21-1. Anyone can go and look that up, and you can see it for yourself. It's out there. It's just a four-page document about what happened down there. On February 12th, 2021, so a couple of days before that storm hit, right? So they knew it was coming. They, they knew it was coming. Governor Greg Abbott declared a state of disaster in all 254 Texas counties due to severe weather posing an imminent threat of widespread and severe property damage, injury, and loss of life due to prolonged freezing temperatures, heavy snow, and freezing rain statewide. Okay, on the 12th, they did that. So a few days before this storm hit. So they knew it was coming, and they knew it was going to be bad. On the morning of February 14th, so two days later, after Greg Abbott made that statement, after his office declared the state of disaster in all 254 Texas counties, ERCOT, which is the uh, power co-op, whatever, is that what it is? I I don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to explain it here. Yeah, energy co-op. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So they're the ones that are responsible for doling out the uh, the, the power when needed, right? Or they supplement that or... Think of it this way. ERCOT is a public-private partnership with the government. Oh, a public-private yeah. partnership. ERCOT Air, is corporate... They're, they're a conglomerate of businesses, right, uh-huh. if you will, that are ran or overseen by the government. Uh-huh. And it's my understanding, the, the, the crack shots they had in this meeting, one of the board members of which is... Uh, living here in Germany, uh, which was mm-hmm. fantastic, by the way. And he helped to make some of those decisions on what was going on down there. Apparently, they only talked for like, what was it, four minutes on the disaster that was coming to the state of Texas in their meeting that was public that anyone could have watched. And they spent the rest of the time talking about cowboy boots and hats. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the people that run your power and they're going to charge you a premium. Oh, and we're going to get into some of those costs here in just a minute. You're going to flip. That's why I say this is the next thing. This is the next Enron scandal. And you've got everybody all the way up through the federal government that are involved with it. And it's being done at an international level. That's where it's being dictated to from that right there, because we're conforming to international standards on this out of the United Nations and this World Economic Forum garbage. So on February 14th, ERCOT issued a statewide conservation notice, conservation notice, addressing the expected system emergency and describing steps that homeowners and businesses can take to reduce system demand. Okay. All right. So you're putting out a notice that businesses and homes and things, hey, look, we know there's going to be a strain on the system. So here's what you can do in order to minimize that and prepare yourself. All right. Seems reasonable. Do you want some of those? Do you want some of those? Please. Okay. Turn your thermostat down to 68 degrees. Okay. okay. And that's the first one you could do. Okay. Make sure all your all your hold, hold windows. On, hold on. Hold on. Mm-hmm. 68 degrees. 
Yeah. So so basically that's 68 degrees is Fahrenheit. That's room temperature. Okay. Yeah. So turn your turn your thermostat to 68 degrees. Mm-hmm. Mind mm-hmm. you that the temperature is going to get down to minus two. Yeah. So yeah. you should be okay there. All right, go on. Mm-hmm. Make sure all your windows, shutters, blinds, all that stuff is shut. You know, make sure those really? are closed. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Turn off and unplug non-essential lights and appliances and avoid using large appliances like uh-huh. your ovens, washing machines, you know, that sort of thing. And businesses should uh, minimize the use of electric lighting and electric consuming equipment. So anything you have for production or any of those Mm -hmm. kind of things. And large consumers of electricity should consider shutting down or reducing non-essential production processes. That is the list of things that they said to do there. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So basically just turn everything off and... So so basically just turn everything off, yeah. Which... The, the the fourth one there, don't use any large appliances. That one is actually difficult because they also, at the same time this was going on, gave a boil order for the water. So uh-huh. if you were going to use it for cooking or drinking, you needed to boil it first. That you need to use one of those large appliances to heat the water to boil it unless you had another way of another means or natural gas. So, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm curious here because, I mean, to that point right there, I'm, ju- I'm just curious. Heaters are a good example of an appliance, a, a large appliance, right? It, it is an example of a large appliance, um, but that was addressed in the first one. You're supposed to turn turn it down to 68 degrees. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you have... Okay, so th- I, I, I don't care what anybody says. 68 degrees and it's minus two outside, that thing's going to be working overtime to keep you warm. Oh, yeah. No, so... Insulation uh, the, or no insulation. I, I'm from Ohio, yeah. trust me. Trust me. 68 degrees, yeah. it's still run. If it's minus two outside, that thing's running nonstop. Yeah. So the the place I moved into, they had the windows replaced recently. So these are new windows. Um, the the heating was on every, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes or so. It, it kicked on. I mean, it was constantly kicking on. And I had... I. I have the thermostat set to 68 degrees normally. Um, actually, 69 because the lulls. Are, you a, polar, are you a polar bear, Bruce? Oh, I like it cold. I, I like the, oh. the cool and everything, yeah. especially with the equipment in this room. Um, you know, having having it a little cooler is nice. Uh, yeah, okay. Fair enough. Having that. Yeah. yeah. And it's nice to sleep in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you always sleep better in a cold room. That, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's proven. Uh, okay. A- anything else on that? Any other? Nope. That, that, was, the, that was the recommendations for... Uh, you're conserving energy mm-hmm. from the government. Okay. All right. From the government. Okay. All right. Great. Great. Now that, the, and of course, they're going to send supplies and and generators and and Biden's going right. to throw another log mm-hmm. on the fire in, in the White House because that's what he was doing. Now, mind you, his administration and his executive order policy on this on this is exactly what caused that to happen. And he's up there in the White House throwing logs on the fire, putting it out on Twitter with him and his dog. And that's fine. The media doesn't even question that. Do you know what would be going on right now if that were Trump doing that? He, he he's he's destroying the earth. Oh my this god! Is, this is the hypocrisy here. They're praising Biden for this and and saying, "Oh look, you know, they're trying to make him humanize him, if you will." But if you're so into the Green New Deal, you're so into conserving and and saving the earth. Fireplaces are the worst polluters on a consumer level. That is the worst. When you look at the levels of, of uh, uh, pollutants that you can have, right? Wood burning is like the highest of them. And then it goes to like coal and then natural gas. And then, you know, it continues to go down. Well, oil, then natural gas. 
Okay, so they go on here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. They go on here. For example, on February 12th, the Railroad Commission of Texas issued an emergency order pursuant to Texas Utilities Code affecting the gas utility systems in the state. The order specified increasing the priority of gas supplies to ERCOT generators. Okay, so natural gas generators. All right, gotcha. ERCOT's application also noted that the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality has indicated that it will provide enforcement discretion to generators in the ERCOT region, which is the whole state of Texas, that may exceed state emissions requirements during emergency conditions. All right, so the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality has indicated that it will provide enforcement discretion. So they're going to decide whether or not you can exceed these environmental regulations in order to um, uh, to, to have power, basically. And if you, well, if you freeze to death, well, <laughs> you don't want to hurt the earth, do you? That, that's what they're yeah. saying here. That's what they're I saying mean, here. Don't, don't heat your house because it's for the earth. That, that's essentially, I mean, I, I'm just calling it out what it is here. I'm putting it in layman's terms. Sorry, go ahead. So, and... I I didn't I don't think I took it in that sense. I, I gave them a little bit more benefit of the doubt, if you will, and said giving the discretion of, uh, you know, going over the the EPA's rules, if you will, was giving to ERCOT so that they could meet the demand uh, of power during this. It, it to me, it seemed like uh, giving them the benefit of the doubt. They were just saying, look, uh, if you have to go over the EPA's rulings during this time period. You know, do it. You know, do it at your own discretion, depending on how much power you need. That's that's how I interpreted it, with the benefit of the doubt. Bruce, are you saying the government wants to help you? No, I'm I'm actually saying that they're trying to save face. That's exactly what they're trying to do. But this order, like this order right here that I'm sitting here reading, this is right from the Department of Energy, and it's signed. It is signed by the Secretary of Energy himself. It's signed. I've, I can. I'm looking at the signature. This should be the front page news. Like this should be the the top story in the country. Why isn't this being talked about? Why? Because I tell you what, they're going to do this, and it gets worse than this. All right, I'm just leading up to it here. This is what they've done all across Central and South America and parts of Asia. This right here, this kind of garbage right here, and now they're going to do it to the U.S. because they're going to break your will. That's that's what it is. What did the um, what did the Massachusetts uh, Undersecretary of Climate Change? What what did he have to say? He says, well, the biggest the biggest emitters are those people that heat their homes. And what we need to do, we need to break their will. Of course, I wouldn't say that publicly. Well, you kind of did when someone was recording that Zoom call that shouldn't have been recording it. Are they breaking people's will? What did I say? I said, if you stand up and if you start pushing back on this COVID monstrosity, if you start pushing back on this, and if you start declaring, hey, look, we're not going to go along with this. Well, then they're going to start doing other things. And I said this a number of weeks ago. I said, if you stand up to COVID, they're going to hit you with something else. They're going to come back at you with something else. They're going to start cutting off your electricity. They're going to start cutting off your water. I said, that's what they're going to do. It's siege. We're under siege. It's the most ancient form of warfare. It's been going on for thousands of years. This is how they would do it. So you had, okay, let's let's take it back to medieval times, right? The Dark Ages in Europe. Okay, let's take it back to then. What were they doing then? What would happen then? You would have a group of people that wanted to conquer that region. So they would go in, they would isolate those people that were barricaded in the uh, in the central palaces or kingdoms or whatever you want to call it, and they would just stay there. They would just stay there. They wouldn't let any shipments through. They wouldn't let any food or anything like that through until eventually everyone inside those walls would just starve to death. And then they could just walk right in. That's the same thing they're doing here with this. The same thing. Texas was standing up and they were pushing back on the unconstitutional and illegal gun legislation that's coming. 
They said, we're going to be a Second Amendment sanctuary state. We're not going to go. We're not going to go along with all of this quelling of free speech that's going on by these big tech companies. We're not going to go along with it. And more than that, their attorney general down there, Ken Paxton, he says, you know what? I'm going to be working with other states and other attorney generals to get a coalition on board. And we're going to bypass all of this stuff with Keystone and limiting our resources and all the rest of it, because we want to be open for business. We want our people to be free. And then they get hit with this. The last person in the world who is a conspiracy theorist around here is any of us. But I find it very funny that this happens right now. So all that all that goes on. And then that gets hit. Texas gets hit with that. And then, of course, everybody's pig piling on Texas. Right. What's the what's the story in the mainstream media and around the world about Texas? Oh, look, all those stupid cowboys down there with hay seeds in their mouths and their, and their hats and their horses. They don't know how to deal with a, with a real problem down there. They don't know how to deal with uh, with cold weather down there. Ha ha ha. When in reality, it's these international policies of limiting you access to resources that can keep you alive that are what caused that disaster in the first place. Not discounting the weather, of course. Oh, well, green energy. You didn't have enough of it. That's what Bill Gates said. We'll talk about him here in a minute. He's related to this, too. But anyway, uh, getting back to this, ERCOT has been alerted that numerous generation units will be unable. They'll be unable. They already knew this. They'll be unable. This is days, days before the storm even hit. Days. They knew it was coming. The governor had already declared a state of disaster for the entire state. So they knew it was coming. And Abbott is basically saying, which I'm not a fan of Abbott, really, but he's at least saying, hey, we need to be looking at getting rid of all this, this, uh, th- this regulation stuff just until we can get on the other side of this thing. C- can we do that? Let's not burn our bridge before we get to it. Can we do that? Let's not make a decision now out of haste that's going to put us in a position where we're not able to make it later. Can we can we just eliminate that possibility? So they said that the num- that numerous generation units will be unable to operate at full capacity without violating federal air quality and other permit limitations. Well, what are those other permit limitations? Gee, I wonder. The Paris Accords, maybe? I'm just guessing here. I'm just guessing. What are the UN climate regulations and output regulations that we need to be looking at? You see, the United States, our system, well, I can't even really say the United States, the West, okay, the West, the Americans, the Canadians, the Germans, the French, the English, the Spanish, the Italians, the Dutch, we all have clean burning systems clean burning systems. Our systems are so clean, in fact, that back in the 90s, when they would fly over trying to find, when when the government would fly over trying to find some kind of toxins, they couldn't find any. All they found coming out of the stacks were CO2 and water vapor. That's all they found. And so what they do, they declared CO2 a poisonous gas. That's what they did. That's the only way they can regulate it. And they go on here to say that uh, ERCOT requests the secretary that the secretary issue an order immediately effective on February 14th. Okay, so again, a couple of days before it hit here. So they knew through February 19th, a few days ago, right? It's already over by then. Yeah, five day storm, four or five day storm, authorizing the provision of additional energy from all generation units subject to emissions or other permit limits in the ERCOT region, which is the entire state of Texas. The generating units 
that this order pertains to are listed in the order. Okay, so yeah, so they go onto the resources list listed below. All right, so let's get into what the resources list are. So given the emergency nature of the expected load stress, the responsibility of ERCOT to ensure maximum reliability, reliability on its system and the ability of ERCOT to identify and dispatch generation necessary to meet the additional load I have determined that the additional dispatch of specified resources is net specified resources. So this is where they turned everybody to green energy, right? Specified resources is necessary to best meet the emergency and serve the public interest for purposes of FPA. Can you look up what FPA is? Federal Protections Authority or something, maybe I'm assuming. Uh, Federal Power Act. Federal Power Act. Oh, yes. And I'm sure you're going to look up what that is, and I'm sure we're going to love exactly what that has to say. Now, mind you, this is this is the uh, this is the secretary, the acting secretary of energy who's saying all this. They penned this letter of this order. So they say that because additional generation, additional generation, so coal fire plants or natural gas plants that actually work, you know, because of these things, the additional generation may result in a conflict with environmental standards and requirements. So see, you're going to produce too many emissions, so we can't turn those on. You're going you're to produce too much. We, we can't do that. You're going to produce too much CO2 and uh, to allow all these people to, to heat their homes and, and have running water. No, we, we can't have that. We can't have that. We can't have the electricity generate that CO2. So yeah, you can't use that. So he says, I'm authorizing only necessary additional generation with reporting and requirements as described below. Okay. So do you have anything on what that is? Well, originally the um, FPA was part of the Public Utility Act back in 1935. That's where it spawned from. Originally, it was for non-federal hydropower projects. I navigatable you. waters. That's originally okay. how it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we know how the government works in these manners. They always present something just to get their foot in the door, and then they just run wild with it once they get in there, and they shift it and change it and tailor it to however they need. Yeah. The, the FPA also addresses regulation of electric utilities engaged mm-hmm. in interstate commerce. So, oh. yeah, they, they control the interstate. When when reality, it's um, they have no authority there. What what the interstate clause that they tried to take power with, you know, they use to usurp power. Basically, it says just be fair when you're doing business with other states. Like, don't do any, you know, kind of like tariffs or any of that kind of stuff in, with interstate. That's basically all that is. And they're going in and interpreting it as something completely different, saying we have to regulate all of it because we're the government. And uh huh, yeah, yeah. Wait till you hear. Wait till you hear what they're doing with power prices down there. You're gonna love this. So they say that the, uh, they say that the. Uh, The FPA Section 202 requires the Secretary of Energy, which is him, to ensure that any 202 order, which is out of that section that was of that, which is of that charter that Bruce is just looking up, may result in a conflict with a requirement of any environmental law and be limited to, listen very carefully, the hours necessary to meet the emergency and serve the public interest and to the maximum extent practicable. So how how do you weigh that? in the manners of preserving human life. How many people have died in this that we don't even know about yet? How, how yeah. do you balance the two? Because that, that's what they're doing here. They're pitting this this uh, environmental climate change garbage against human life. That's what they're doing. They are, but at the same time, in this sense where human life was in danger, they were saying you can go over the, the Yes, but they didn't. But they didn't. Well, they didn't because of the – well, they claim it's the fear of the damage done to the, the uh-huh. facilities. Basically, they would have uh-huh. been overused. But, and but this case, is days. 
But this is days before that they're sitting here talking about this. Like this order yeah. was done days before. Well, it, it, it is true that some of the facilities uh, actually had some of the monitoring, monitoring equipment freeze up uh, because of the weather. Because uh, basically the, the argument that um, uh, ERCOT did not properly winterize some of the facilities is accurate. It's kind of like a culmination of all of this put together. So some of it is accurate saying that, you know, some of the, the, the equipment froze up or they were unable to meet demands because of basically one of the things that froze up was uh, the gauges that monitor how much natural gas is put into the system. And if uh, they put too much in there, obviously it, it causes an explosion. So that, that was one of their claims and why they had to shut down some of the facilities. So mm -hmm. just just kind of happened. It, it, it was a, um, I can't rule out an opportunistic moment for them to do something like this to make Texas look bad in what we're talking, you know, what, what they're doing. So, and on top of that, they made a boatload of money doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a pretty penny. Just a little bit. Okay. So outages, let, let's get into the, the cost of this. Now that order goes on and on and on, and we can sit there and we can dissect that. But in the interest of time, we, we just don't have it. But I gave the order number. Anybody can go and look that up. It's public. That's like I said, that should be talked about everywhere and it's not even being discussed. Outages have turned into outrage, more or less. I mean, that's kind of what's going on. So the rolling blackouts that plunged up to 15 million Texans into darkness amid a historic cold snap are diminishing by the end of the week. About 188,000 customers were without power in the entire state of Texas on Friday morning, days after power prices, listen to these prices, jumped from $50 per megawatt to more than $9,050 per megawatt to 9000 if you can imagine. I, I, I would dispute the... $50 per megawatt because in 2019 the the per megawatt was uh $1100 in 2019. Was it 1100? Uh, well, I've $1, got $1, some I've got some different it numbers was, here and it was 12 12 cents per uh 12 cents I believe per kilowatt which is about well it's less than 12 cents it was a, it was a 1136 so 11 cents and a little bit of extra well, there was a what was what was the thing I sent you? What I posted there? Uh, the Texas regulators keep prices nearing nine thousand dollars per megawatt. Yeah, the the that one. It does say that at various times, energy prices across the system have been as low as approximately twelve hundred dollars a megawatt hour, which is that's what that's what the bill was saying. Uh, that's you. the minimum of uh, or but the average before all of this crisis. Uh, was the the eleven cents per kilowatt, mm -hmm. which equals out to about eleven hundred. I got you. And like yeah, okay. eleven hundred and thirty seven dollars somewhere in there. Uh, okay, I got you. All right, so their math is off a little here. I got it. So um, Texans who are on a, a variable or index plans with power companies are only now reporting their bills have jumped hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars for a month. Royce Pierce, who's a resident down there, told Newsweek, I guess they were down there doing some interviews, he owes the electric company Gritty $8,162.73 for his electric usage this month. He said that's a massive increase from his usual $387 a month. So he was one of the apparently he was one of the lucky ones that had power through the entire grid crisis. But 
I mean, the, the amount of cost that it went up was ridiculous. He said, there's nothing we can do now. This is already an insane thing. And I don't care about the money when it comes to people's health. He said, adding that if the virus pandemic hadn't affected his work, he says he couldn't have taken care of this. Other horror stories of soaring power bills flood local television stations across the Lone Star State. When food and housing insecurities are incredibly high due to pandemic job loss, apparently many folks in Texas who are on variable power plans could be financially devastated. One of the local affiliates down there said they interviewed one person said one or said mine is over $1000, not sure how. I've got a 700 square foot apartment that I've been keeping at 60 degrees. One couple said when your electric company tells you to switch, but there's been a hold on switching for over a week now, using as little as possible uh, a 1300 square foot house and that is my bill. How is this fair? I only paid $1200 for the entire year of 2020. They put a tweet out to uh, corroborate their uh, their claim there, uh, and they said that their bill is now at three thousand eight hundred dollars for one month. They must not uh, they must not do anything at home uh, as far as electricity because to have like a one hundred dollar bill per month, yeah, to have it that low, you must unless like- unless unless they're on. Uh, unless they're on something where they switch to a company and they'll give them a deal for like 12 months. I've heard of companies doing that before. So it doesn't matter. You're on a fixed rate for 12 months, but then it goes up if you don't switch so or, or take another plan. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's what they did. So they put it out on Twitter. They said that their rate uh, was $2 per kilowatt hour used, and it was 1,638 kilowatt hours used. So their wholesale electricity came to, they broke down their statement. Uh, their wholesale electricity was $3,702.57. TDU delivery charges, $68.40. Gritty membership, which is, I guess, the provider, $6.12. Taxes and fees, $24.06. Total, $3,801.16. That's your electricity bill for the month. Ty Williams told a local Dallas affiliate that his average electric bill is around $660 per month. He said it now stands at $17,000. Williams wondered, how in the world can anyone pay that? You can't unless you're like a professional baseball player or something. I mean, you go from a a couple hundred dollars a month. There's absolutely no way. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's because they're price gouging the hell out of you. That's what they're doing. And in case you were wondering, oilprice.com ran the numbers of how much it would cost to charge a Tesla in Texas earlier this week. This ought to be interesting. While a regular charge costs around $18 using a level one or level two charger at home, estimates show that a surge in power prices would have cost $900. Boy, that's a lot cheaper than filling up your car with gas, isn't it? Of course, you couldn't get gas in Texas. They ran out of gas and they ran out of electricity. I guess my whole point in this is here's the state of Texas. Here's Greg Abbott. Here's the state of Texas. Here's these these useless idiots at ERCOT, okay? Here's these people and they know that there's going to be a demand, like a, a surge in demand, right? Like they know this. They, they know that it's coming. And they don't take the necessary steps in order to prevent or, or put safeguards in place. They just completely ignore it. I'm not sure what they could have done uh, because what more they could have done. Uh, well, they could have fired up that like they could have fired up. It, they, they could have ramped it because it takes a long time. You can't just turn a coal fire plant on. It takes like a week to boot it up. So it's, it's not like right. just turning a car on. So I get it. But natural gas is pretty quick. And nat- natural gas is quick. Yeah. yeah. A gas burner plant. Yeah, sure. Fine. But. A coal fire plant, granted, it takes four to six days to, to turn the thing on. So I understand. But it's like, here's, I, I don't know, I guess, I feel like Texas should have been better prepared for this. You know what I mean? I feel like they, they have the ability, they have the capacity. And what I'm reading in this order is, well, we need to be looking at our emissions. We need to be looking at our 
uh, our carbon output, as opposed to doing everything possible and informing the public, not just set your thermostat at 68 degrees, make sure your windows are closed. Like they're treating the public like they're adult children rather than say, listen, this is what we're looking at. This is what people need to be prepared for. I feel like they do it out of an abundance of, I mean, I don't know, like they're expecting the crisis and then they want to manage the crisis rather than allow the public to be independent. I mean, Texans are pretty independent. So well, we thought they were. Well, at least we thought they were. Yeah. They're not because of the progressive stuff they've been doing with the green energy. Exactly. Um, That's my point. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they wouldn't have had the green energy, they probably wouldn't have had this problem. But then again, they may they may have still had the problem because they had some of the facilities weren't winterized. They weren't prepped for winter. So for these types of temperatures, it's possible to do that, obviously, because you have states up north that do it and they're fine. So I Honestly, I think it was a combination of all the the above. But basically what it boils down to is government's bad. That's what it boils down to, because this organization, ERCOT, was overseen by the government, right? They should have been making sure. My understanding is they had uh, the inspections for these facilities last year during COVID. You know how they did it? Uh, No, I don't actually. Over Zoom. You're kidding me. No. Supposedly they did the inspections over Zoom uh, because of COVID. If that's the case... This is all what brought a, on themselves. Like what basically. a dude walks around with like a, a, a cell phone and says, here, this is what this is. And that's what this is. Like, how on earth do you do that? I, I guess that's what what, it, what I, I have no idea. I'm not entirely sure if that's true or not. That's the rumor that's been going around. But uh, if that's the case, they should have been prepped for this, right? If the government has been pushing this climate change narrative for so long now, wouldn't you think they would be prepping critical infrastructure for extreme weather events. Wouldn't wouldn't you think they would do that? And since they didn't do that, you had 12% of the power grid that was not there that, with the wind and solar, right? So 12% of it was out. That means you have to take up the slack with the, the gas, the natural gas and coal. Well, you can't do that because the natural gas is freezing up because of the, uh, you know, the, the gauges and stuff are freezing up because of the cold temperatures. So what, what do you do? Rely on coal that takes a week to, to, to fire up? I mean, so it was just a horrible planning and, and everything on their part. Basically, what it boils down to is politicians have been trying to line their pockets with these insider trading deals and doing the Green Deal BS and it backfired. And I hope it continues to backfire. I hope that I hope Texas stands up and is like, I hope the rest of the U.S. wakes up and says, this green stuff isn't reliable. Let's find a different alternative. Like, I don't know, nuclear. That would have been great, right? Yeah, the nuke was offline. Why in the hell was the nuke offline? Why, why was the nuke I, offline? I, I, I basically, uh, I think it was still the cold weather, not winterized. Jeez. Well, I guess what? I, I'd be getting people in there like today, retrofitting. That's what I'd be doing if it were me. If I were Abbott, I'd be signing executive orders left and right, bear no expense, get it done, get it done. But the U.S. is not the only, like Texas, for example, is not the only place that had to deal with a green energy failure. The Germans dealt with a green energy failure. What was it, last week? Same time? Same thing. What'd they do? Like their solar panels didn't work. Their wind farms froze up. What'd they do? They had to turn their coal fire plants back on. Gee, let's, yeah, let's get rid of something that works and replace it with something that doesn't when you need it. Like it's Mm. just- When your neighbors fairly close by have nuclear power and they haven't had any problems, have they? No. You know, by the way, I looked at it. I looked at the half-life of uh, thorium. 
You know what the Half-Life mm-hmm. of Thorium is? Uh, it's a long time. 14 billion years is the Half-Life yeah. of Thorium. That's yeah. insane. If we can get a yeah. Thorium reactor, that's it. Like, that. that's it. Yeah. Uh, um, honestly, if we could, but, if we could do, because I'm pretty sure you can take Thorium and um, use centrifuges and, and whatnot. And, and basically, mm-hmm. as waste goes down, supposedly, now, I don't know how true this is. Supposedly, the amount of... Um, uh, nuclear waste that a nuclear reactor produces in its lifetime will fit in a can, like like a non-perishable, you know, like a green can of green beans or corn or something, you know, about that size. That's about the size that it will, I guess it's about the size of a soda can, a little bit bigger than that. That's about the amount of nuclear waste that's left over through its lifetime, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about Bill Gates in, in relation to this? He blames the uh, the natural gas plants now. Last week, he was saying that the problem was is that you didn't have enough of the wind and solar. Right. And now, right. And now he's saying that the natural gas plants are the ones to blame for causing well, the power outages. In his worldview, that is correct. Because in his worldview, we have too many people. We have too much uh, uh, in, in, in terms of population. So a, a, a better way to curb it would have been to have more green energy so that when the power grid went down, there would have been more people affected and there would have been more people that died from it. So, yes, I, I think um, in his worldview, uh, that, that's, that's what he meant. He says, this is not because of renewable dependency. This is natural gas plants, largely, that weren't weatherized. They could have been. Gee, I wonder, I'll bet you, I'll bet you, maybe, just maybe, that, and we'll probably never know this. I'm just guessing here. Maybe if we go back and we look at the building codes... When they built those things, I wonder if they purposely left those out and by whom. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. It costs well, it's a, money. It's a shortcut. Exactly that. It yep. costs money. That, uh-huh. you know. It costs money. And that's exactly what he says. He says it costs money and the trade-off was made and it didn't work out. And it's that, and it's tragic that it's that it's led to people dying. Since when does this guy give a damn about people dying? Like, what, what, what does he care about any of that stuff? Here's a guy who says, he says on a TED talk, he says, well, we've got CO2 emissions and we've got a population boom. And well, one of these numbers is probably going to have to go to zero. What does he care? Oh, see, it was just a joke. You see. Oh, was, yeah. It's just, yeah, the, the audience was laughing about it. Well, he's wearing, he's wearing a pink shirt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's wearing a pink shirt. He's non-threatening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is right. Or he says it does cost money. Yeah. There was a trade-off made and it didn't work out. Well, there was a trade-off made with green energy too. And that didn't work out either. You're not talking about that. You're well, not talking about that. Why, why aren't you talking about that? There was a trade-off. And the trade-off was instead of the politicians lining their pockets with oil money, they instead decided to go into green energy and line their pockets with that and use government subsidies to boost those companies. And they bought stock before they gave the subsidies so that when the stocks went up, they would make money, they would sell off. The companies within 10 years all went bankrupt. Or I believe it was uh, 60-some percent of them went, so two-thirds, we'll say, um, went bankrupt within 10 years. So Solyndra. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, there, he's right. There was a choice made and that was the choice. They lined their pockets. They got theirs and screwed you over in the process. And that's the problem I got right there with this disaster as it relates to Greg Abbott. And uh, and really, if you look at his predecessor, uh, Rick Perry, uh, the former governor of, uh, of Texas, they're the ones that said, OK, yeah, we'll we'll start and bring this. Uh, we'll start bringing in this uh, wind and solar and just to appease. You know what I mean? J- just to appease and, and allow the subsidies and all the rest of it. Yeah, we'll get on board with this. And then, of course, now 
you see what's happened as a result of it. So it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So Gates is right on the trade-off. He's right. There was your trade-off right there. All right, we're out of time. We are going to have to go. The moral of the story is... Government's bad, okay? Yeah, yeah. Normally, we would promote our uh, our parlor accounts, but um, I'm just not digging parlor right now. I don't know. There's something funny about what's going on over there, and I'm not sure what it is yet. But um, anyway, in the meantime, we're promoting our Telegram channel. We would highly recommend all of you get over on Telegram. Fantastic platform. We've got a podcasting channel set up over there. We know podcasting censorship is coming in the very near future because apparently, according to the New York Times, critical thinking is the biggest problem in the manners of fighting misinformation. You couldn't make it up. We'll get into that tomorrow. So we're promoting our Telegram channel. If you're not on Telegram yet, I don't know what you're waiting on. Get signed up to it. Uh, Get registered over there. Search for us when you get there. You can subscribe to us over there free of charge. We're putting out all of our podcasts we do here every day. Plus, we're putting out an exclusive podcast once a week. And to be honest with you, the podcast we did on Friday, or excuse me, the podcast we did on Saturday, the exclusive, that was probably one of the better ones that we've done. I think that's probably one of the most exciting ones we've done up to this point on exclusives as far as that goes. That's the kind of conversation that the listener usually isn't purviewed to. Mm-hmm. So um, we uh, we let that one go uh, and we we published that one. If you want to get that content, like I said, it's free of charge. Get signed up to Telegram. Search for us when you get over there. Search for Dynamic Independence. We're a public channel. We'll pop right up. Subscribe to us over there and you'll get that content. Also, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow here as much as possible, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, Bruce, that will do it for today. So thanks for being here. Thank you to all the listeners. We'll see everybody tomorrow.